to the Gray Matters, where we discuss more than just the hot topics and headlines of the day from a black man's perspective. We appreciate that as a community, we are not a monolith and every subject deserves to be explored with nuance, giving a view from all sides of the culture. So we're here to hopefully bring that to you every week with a little bit of nuance, some class, and a little bit of fun as well. Our panel consists of three guys that are absolutely nothing alike, and you'll soon come to find out just how much we love each other in spite of our sometimes very big differences. I'm Billy Craig, and I'll be your moderator today, and I'm joined by two other gentlemen who should be crying, but they just can't let it go. I'm coming to you from Delaware, out here on the East Coast, where it is sunny and probably a little bit cooler than where you are right now because there's a heat wave. Um, our engineer and the guy who's representing for all the bald and sexy out there, or the ones who want to be, is our man Andre Collins. Coming from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so also producer of the show. So if y'all see me typing on something, mind your business. We just handling business on the background. We ain't got no sponsors yet. Uh, so we got we got to do this ourselves. All right, and then our resident. Uh, Dennis Rodman of the crew because somebody's always got to do the dirty work somebody's always got to get loose we got to go find him hanging out with Madonna that would be uh, Paul Wilson joining us from Portland Portland uh, good afternoon good to see y'all today and uh, I'm just glad y'all was willing to do this with me considering that uh, we got you know Mr. Buddy LaRosa over here uh, you know, and uh, you know, Reverend uh, Big Muscles. <laughs> Listen, I take this shirt off. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, let's go ahead and get started with our first topic of the day. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the teaser that we put out there, what is with the situation? surrounding Brittany Griner and specifically why does it seem like we just don't seem to care that much uh, in particular in the black community like what's up with that start with you Andre um so I'm I'm kind of torn on this not because I don't care it's because I feel like I'm one of the only people who seems to care from our community on this um I've been watching the coverage uh, this last week. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it, but her wife was supposed to have a phone call uh, wired through by the embassy. Right. And they right. scheduled it two weeks ago. And in a Keystone Cops moment, um, they scheduled it for a day where nobody was manning the desk. Um, so Brittany Griner called like 10 times and there was nobody there to patch her through to her wife. On her anniversary of all days, um, and also uh, during Pride Month, like it just there's a whole conflux of things that just don't seem to be working. And I actually felt Brittany Griner's wife when she was like, "If y'all can't manage a phone call, I know y'all can't manage this situation." Um, and so I it, like it angers me just because of the lack of caring that we have, uh, or the lack of caring that there seems to be around. Like when you follow social media, people are like, "Yo, she committed a crime in a different country." You just got to deal with the consequences. And that's, to me, okay, I get it if, like, she really, like I, like I said last week, we're getting the information from the Russian government. So we don't really know what happened because they kept her for a month before anybody ever said anything. Um, so there's, like, a confirmation bias because you want to believe she did something wrong because for some reason... And I guess we'll dive into that. We don't like her for some reason. Like she's not the model that we wanted to be in order for us to care. And I think that's, we, we're a syndicated show. We, we're trying to keep it clean, but that's effed up um, that we place limits on how we care about people. Like if this was somebody in the United States and your boy went to jail for one joint and they was like, yo, we're going to give you 10 years for having a joint. You would be up in arms. Y'all be marching up and down the streets and everything else. But now somebody else is in somebody that you don't necessarily care about because she's gay, she's black, she's tall, and she plays basketball. Like you act like that that doesn't mean anything. So because you don't care about her personally, you like ah well. I mean she did what she did, so she has to deal with it. And I think 
that's just that's just a messed up way to look at it because if she was uh, I'll go ahead and go here since we're gonna keep it real in the show. If she was white and she was just a regular Becky from from the neighborhood, y'all would be up in arms like, no, we got to bring her home immediately. And we still calling on Kamala, Joe, all them people who said they care about the you know the American people. They still ain't met with the wife. It's been two months now at this point. We had a hundred, I think it's 150 plus days at this point, and you ain't even met with her family. Come on, dog, like that that's trifling. Well, I'll let you go, uh, Paul. But I'll even take it a step further because you were saying, you know, you introduced the racial element to it, but. Something that I personally have been thinking, you know, and this is even before this situation where she got incarcerated, but even going back to some other causes that she was speaking about, this we're talking a couple of years ago, uh, my thought was, you know, I, I don't think she meets the standards of beauty that a lot of people um, think of when they think of uh, females and attractiveness. And I think that's what a lot of women in sports go through. Because I'm convinced that if she were, and I'm, I'm just throwing out names, I mean, you know, but I'm thinking if she were somebody like Sue Bird, for example, would we have the same energy that we do for her? Um, I, I mentioned this in a conversation Paul and I were having about, I remember years ago, back when I was a kid, when um, you had, uh, was it Chris Everett and uh, Steffi Graff, but Martina Navratilova. And I remember... Like the way that the media even framed up and set them up, it was totally different. Um, she was from Russia. She had a really thick accent. She was not somebody who met the same standards of beauty that the Chris Everett's and uh, other ones did. And so they were treated differently in the media. And I wonder if that is an element of this too, specifically why it is we don't seem to be giving it much attention. Because I'm convinced that if it were, you know, Venus or Serena or somebody like that, regardless of what the crime is, then maybe we would, you know, the, the, our community in particular, we would be a little more even in tune. I've talked to people who don't even know who she is or much less, you know, what she did and talking about the vape sticks or whatever it was. They don't even know who she is or even that she's over in Russia because they just don't care. Right, right. I'll shoot it over to you, Paul. Well, context matters, right? So let's go back to how we were introduced to Brittany Griner. And we go all the way back. If you remember, she got in a big fight her freshman year at Baylor. That's right. Yep. Um, and she's been treated a certain way because of how she looks her whole entire life. I've read some of her uh, interviews um, especially, I think she did something in the Players Tribune a while back. That was about a year and a half during she, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not to cut you off, but one one quick thing: it was a justified fight. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying oh, it wasn't. Right. I'm just saying <laughs> how we that's how, how we were yeah, introduced. Exactly. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, and then you got her going to Baylor, which, if you know anything about you know Baylor, they 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 play a little ball down there, right? Yeah. Um. I got this courtesy of when they sent this to my son when they were trying to get him to go there. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, humble flex. No, it wasn't for football. <laughs> it wasn't for football. It was just, you're a good student, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, we've been introduced to her in such that way. And then her being so dominant, it's almost like the same thing with Shaq, uh, the way they were allowed to play against him, the way they were allowed to play against her on the in the quarter play, right? And then uh, with her being openly gay, and then all of this, these things that we that that it's it's been like she's constantly been trying to carve out a safe space for herself. And we as sports fans and just uh, humans in general have been uh, reluctant to give her that space. Um, when she first got caught. I asked myself, what kind of person would go through an airport with vape pens and herb over several countries? And it was an easy answer. Someone who's done it a bunch of times. Right. It was right, not right. something that if, if they planted it on her, they planted it on her. But they know how she gets down. 
They know well, how she lives her life. And to she your point, a huge celebrity over there. I was getting ready to say she's a huge, huge. celebrity over there, pro- big, much bigger than she is here because much that's bigger. actually where she makes most of her money. That's where exactly. actually her career is anchored at is over there. So you got the ripple effect of we don't know how much this is going to affect women's pro basketball as a whole because how many ladies are going to want to go back over there which is the richest league where they make their most money exactly so this is affecting more than just Brittany Griner smoking some herb or just trying to get it through the airport like this is um, an issue that will affect the entire industry of women's basketball not just Brittany Griner right 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 so I believe Adam Silver needs to get a hold on this the same way he got a hold on China when Daryl Morey got yes. caught up. Yes. So, but real quick, Paul, so you came up with an analogy um, earlier this week okay. uh, about LeBron and what it would look like. I, I just mm-hmm. want you to share that because that, that, that struck the right nerve at, at that point. If LeBron... What had just got caught with, you know, say he got caught in his luggage with, with a little herb in his luggage and they had him jammed up and Barack was president. Black people would be different right now. Mm. We, we would we would treat we would we would hold Barack to the fire in a whole different way. Now, during this last election cycle, there was a lot of division amongst black folks, mainly men and women, where it was she's not black. She don't care about y'all the way y'all think she do. She being And y'all told us, that's my sister. She HBCU. She black just like me. And y'all not holding her to the fire the same way that that, that y'all would hold that man. Y'all just letting her disappear. She says she wear chucks. She down with us. Why ain't she trying to get Britney free? Ain't I repeat, it's been two months and ain't had a conversation with her family. Not one. And they miss scheduled calls like this. This again, I put out the APB last week for for Vice President Kamala Harris on a lot of issues, and mm-hmm. you can't tell me that you did that busy. Like I know the world is falling apart right now, but damn dog, you you ain't got thirty minutes. You ain't got thirty minutes to have a phone right. call to to try to get this on the right path. And uh, I mean, what you currently do ain't working. What what y'all doing right now is not working. Gas prices is, again. Gas prices are phenomenal. Stock market is even more phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So how about you take some time and, and do at least one thing? Like, give me one. And right. y'all just, like, bypassing this. And, again, it, this is an effed up situation uh, all the way around. Like, there's many key players in his that have a part in this being as bad as it is. Um, and Brittany Griner is a small fish on this one. This is, yeah. you know, political war right. and, and things like that. But you're going to tell me y'all got time to 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 talk about Trump and his taxes for for damn near two years. Y'all got time to overturn Roe v. Wade. Y'all got time to do all these other things, but get one person to have a conversation with her families to see if we can get her home. And she's been designated as wrongfully wrongfully detained for at least a month now at this point. Remember the kid from Wyoming High School over in North Korea? Yes. And how, and how we right. reacted when he got jammed up? Yeah. And, and that's, and Paul, and what you're saying is exactly my point is that obviously that's above me. That's above my pay. I don't, I'm not in the realm of policy. I can't do anything policy-wise to get that situation handled. But that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up. We're not even aware that there needs to be a conversation in most cases. Because let's face it, the you know WNBA is the most exposure that most people would even have to her, and that's kind of unfortunate. You know, that's another conversation for another day about women's sports and how it's viewed in the media. But more importantly, even us, and I'm talking about black people. Nobody seems to even care that if it's happening to her, that guess what? It can happen to you. And it may not be Russia. It may not be something as simple as that. It could be, you know, you just over in Mexico or it could be anywhere. Um, The situation itself, the specifics don't matter as much as the fact that we just don't seem to care 
about how somebody is being treated, like Andre said, even just on a human level. And so I just that's part of the reason why I wanted to introduce this. And, and hopefully people can take some time and actually think about the fact that, man, this woman has been literally wrongfully detained all this time and nobody said anything. Nobody's brought her anything up. Switch! Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and dive into this next topic then. And uh, it's what I like to call toxic parenting in youth sports. And as my man said and uh, my cousin Vinny, we all have some youths, right? We're at that age. Two youths. Yes, I have two. You, I have two youths, right? <laughs> and uh, one of the things I noticed, my background, I, I coached a lot of years coaching track, and right now I'm I'm focused on baseball, which was actually probably my best sport. And so I have my son, who's 13, he's playing. And one of the things that I've noticed, I mean, you see it virally. People are always posting clips of this and videos all over TikTok and YouTube and everything else. But I'm even seeing it. Uh, while I'm out coaching and we're doing, and I have a travel ball team. These guys are in high school and college, so we go around and play a lot of games. And I'm noticing a lot of parents that they're not just arguing over balls and strikes. They're not just mad over, you know, you missed a play, Mr. Umpire or whatever. But we're talking about actual fighting. People actually fist fighting and attacking the referees and going after the umpire and, and knocking him down. There was a story of one guy, what is he, 70? Uh, what was he, like a 75-year-old? Oh, 75, yeah. A coach from New Jersey uh, argued a call and then ended up punching the referee and broke his broke his eye socket uh, and his jaw. Yes, uh, okay. Over, over balls and strikes on a 13 and under baseball game. Help! Okay, help me, right? Because like, here's the thing. Now I'm, you know, I as I mentioned, I'm a little bigger. I'm I'm the black man, and baseball is one of those sports where the black man kind of stands out because it is a. Let, let's just be honest here. There's not a lot of uh, accomplished or um, it's really a thing to have black people in baseball, and so I already stand out. Plus, I'm a little bigger than most of the guys. I'm a little younger, so it's like they don't give me no problems, even if they want to. They, you know, whatever. But I'm noticing the tension and a lot of this anger and rage that these parents are getting out. And I'm just kind of confused, almost like, where is this coming from? And I know it's not just baseball, right? I mean, it, it's happened even when I coach football. It was the same thing. But what exactly is it about parents feeling the need to take this anger and rage and frustration and all this negative energy and expose this to something that should be, a, at least in my perspective, a positive thing because you're trying to cultivate an environment where you want these kids to excel in sports. Audrey, we'll let you go first. So this, so I, so you coached, I coached, uh, Paul coached. Um, I also was a referee um, mm. as well. I did it uh, for a couple of seasons with girls lacrosse and oh, for wow. football. And Hands down, girls lacrosse was the worst parents that I had to deal with. I could and, imagine. And bad because nobody knows the damn rules. That's right. But everybody wants to tell the referee that they're wrong. Right. And it's expensive. It's expensive. Yes. It is expensive. Um, and it's a lot of running and just the rules are so finite to keep people safe. And right. the parents have, like, even the kids don't know the rules. And so you got coaches that are volunteers. They don't know the rule book that well. So everybody's arguing. But now it's reached a level. I still have some friends that still do it where parents are following umpires and referees to their cars. This happened in Ohio twice. And here's the kicker. The combined records of these teams was 1-13. in 13. Wow. So we're not even talking about good teams. And so, they following refs to their cars. So you sorry and, and entitled. It's, uh, man. Right. And so you see it like we already talked about the baseball. We got football where an umpire or referee was was attacked by another coach. And I think we mentioned it earlier or in in our post or pre uh, pre production conversation that the younger they are, the more angry these people are for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it literally makes no sense. Nick Saban is not coming to your seven and under 
football game to recruit your child is not happening. We talking about 1% of the 1% to make it to the pros and y'all arguing like like your child is next. Like your child is LeBron. It's, it's not that though. Right, like like you heard his chances. <laughs> at a at a summer camp in, in the middle of July uh, in, in you know Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Like no, nobody's checking for you like that. And I know there's unresolved issues where you know parents didn't get to fulfill all their dreams or what have you, but this is getting it's really getting out of control. I mean, before I start cussing, I'm gonna let Paul kind of give his perspective because <laughs> this this angers me. There are a lot of people who probably don't understand how hard it is to play sports in high school. Yeah, just at the high school level. Just at right. just at the varsity level. Yes. Right. How difficult it is to go represent your school and be good at it and be good. And these these kids, these sports are expensive. Now, I coach football and I kind of got I didn't want to do it, to be honest, when I got into it. It was because there was nobody else there and available. Mm -hmm. And my son was getting poor instruction. So in order to keep him from knocking himself out, I had to go out there and teach the other kids. That's not how you play. Okay. Um, then you got the IG, right? With with you know the superstars, and then you had that little Friday night tykes joint, and you got the little joint on uh, YouTube where they follow the youth uh, travel baseball squads. Um, right. Baseball so expensive, and times are so hard. And parents just are trying to get something out of that investment. Maybe Timmy can do it. Maybe Timmy can make this thing bubble. I don't know. But it's crazy to see uh, adults really uh, lose their whole sense around like 10U baseball, 13U football. And half of these, half. Only 5% of these kids that play youth sports are going to play varsity. 5%. And only 10, what, 12, 15% of them are going to play in college. If that. I want to say it's it 2 like? or 3% of that 5% will play in college on any level. Okay, gotcha. And it, 1% of that 1% is going to make it to the pros. Yes. And, 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 that, and that means they're going to get to the pros in football and play for two and a half years. If you reach your dream, you'll be unemployed by the time you're 26 years old. Exactly right. And and here's the thing, and and it's even it's even worse for baseball. And I had this experience because, like, even if you did play past high school, or you know, because mm -hmm. it's a little bit different with how baseball works, because you don't always necessarily have to go to college. But right. You could play pro, and never see the big leagues. Right. You could. I, I know guys who I used to play with. Yeah, there are guys who I played with. Um, very good. Like I'm talking elite level baseball players who never got past double A. The Crash Davises of the world. Mm. Right. Guys who never see. And, and this is and the reason why part of the reason why I was asking is that I'm bringing it up because my experience was a little bit odd. And maybe we'll touch on this at another you know time. I didn't get that level of involvement from my parents and it wasn't because my you know dad never played sports or anything like mm -hmm. that he was just one of those people who was like i'm gonna stay above this i'm not about to go out here be ignorant and you know try to pull the coach in this direction and make him you know do these mm -hmm. type of things so i just have a different perspective but also too even though i was a i was a very good athlete i never had these false expectations mm -hmm. that if I don't make this play or this call doesn't go my way mm -hmm. that life is over. Like that's it. And I, I wonder if that's part of it for the parents where it's almost because like, I've, and I played with guys and I've seen guys where it's like th their dreams, like you said, their dreams got shattered. And so they never maybe mm -hmm. made it to the level they wanted to. And they felt like all hope was lost. And now they're out here on the corner doing nothing with their life. And it's like, dude, you had potential. Why didn't you do something else? But everything was wrapped up in that. And I'm like, I wonder if that maybe that's coming from the parents. It, it probably is. 
so I had the opposite experience. My father was really, 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 right. really getting yeah. involved. Um, no, no, no. You left off for a really. <laughs> yeah, about seventeen. No. Right. But my father was psychotic about it, though. Like he had me. So, so the full disclosure. I played college ball. Like I could, I could do my thing. Like you can check the records. They there. That's not what this is about. When right. I was eight. My father had me playing with the 11 and 12 year olds. And this is, and let's go back in time. 11 and 12 year olds back then, the birth certificates was whatever they wanted it to be. (laughs) So I'm eight playing against 14 year olds and my father like Mm -hmm. get in there and hit them. Right. Wait, why? Like what this hurts. This I'm hitting some dude. I'm eight and I'm hitting a guy with a mustache. Like this hurts. I don't like football. And I hated football until I got bigger. And I was able to handle it, but like all these parents who are throwing their kids in sports that they ain't got no business in, boy, or they aren't physically developed or anything like that. Like, I I get it because everybody got that person that they grew up with that oh I was gonna go to the league, but my nine year old, ten year old coach he had mm-hmm. something against me, and hey. <laughs> right. and here I am now, you know. Uh, just working a factory job, but I was I, Nick Saban was gonna call me though. Like it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. stop it, y'all. Like let's let's let kids be kids. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's let them have fun. Let them pick the sports. If your son shows an interest in football, cool. If your girl shows an interest in basketball or whatever other, if your girl shows an interest in football, cool. But let's be realistic to them, because I'll be the tell first the to truth. tell you it. Tell them the truth. It hurts. Even for professionals, it hurts. At high school, it hurts. In college, it hurts. I haven't touched a football field in 20 years, and I still hurt. That's that's the mm. reality of sports. Yes. But to try to live through your kids is just it is it's a dangerous thing. But because of the, like now the elevated status of I guess how much college costs. Like I don't I don't get it. Like my father, like he was he was the parent that would yell from the stands, but he would never he was always yelling at me. Like he was never yelling right. at like the referee or the umpire or anything like that. Like, but now we got people who take this really, really personal. And y'all need to grow up. Like for real. Let let's just go there, clap, let's call it a day. Cause now we got it where you got certain states, like with soccer, where can't nobody say nothing. You can't cheer, you can't clap. You it is a silent sport. And y'all made it that way. And mm-hmm. that's stupid. That's real stupid. Cause I've been to one of these games and I clapped and it was like Shh, we don't we don't do that. We we don't do what like she just scored a goal like why do we we don't oh, support we, our children? <laughs> they right. were like no we can't we can't go out there and clap we it's a like, silent this is sport. Graduation? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is how we ended up here. So I I think y'all need to grow up. That that's that's really how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah, and and it's and and I and I raise this again. I, I just wanted to kind of explore that. First of all, let me just say this. Um, shout out to Mr. Collins because I know you're watching. I always yes. appreciated what you did with the boys, okay? Like, you were an inspiration. Don't let Andre talk that, that way. Okay? Because I was there for it, okay? Because I literally, I remember the day that Andre actually was bigger than everybody. He just showed up, walked in a lunch. We were in middle school. And it was like, wow. Because I've been, seriously, I've been seeing Andre. We played, you know, Little League Baseball. I was like, oh, that's Andre, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he was just bigger than I grew, I, grew six, I grew six inches in the summer. So, yeah, it, it, Billy's not lying. Like he's No, for true. real. He, he showed up. We was all, he's about the same height. And all of a sudden, it was like, well, I guess he's the quarterback now. He kind of has to be. <laughs> right? Switch! Finally, what I'd like to bring up now, and this one will go straight to you, Paul. Mm. Um, who exactly is it that we are counting on to choose our black leaders? Who is it that are set up there as role models and examples for us? Because there's a lot of disagreements Mm -hmm. out there. A lot of people, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, you need to respect this person. They're a role model. I'm like, "Ah." first of all, that has managed to backfire whenever we haven't kept it in perspective. I Mm -hmm. I think of the the Dr. William Cosby's of the world, for example. Mm because there's all and, and here's the thing we know it the, the higher you go up the more we're looking for that fall anyway that person is going to fail us but who exactly is it that we should have maybe is the question as our leaders people that we respect and look up to 
I start with why do we need separate leaders? Who determined that we needed separate people to speak for us? Well, I thought we were all Americans. That's the first mistake they made. Okay. The second mistake they made was the ones that were actually about independence, uh, economic, educational freedom, um, independent stability, uh, grow your own food. Uh, those were the ones that were taken away from us. Shoot them down. They shoot them down. Yep. Marginalize so, them. Yeah. And then they replace them with pastors who got their hands out. And, and, and they want to march whenever one of us die. They just ambulance chasers. Whether, you know, it's either a lawyer or a pastor that comes and, you know, with the, over the dead body and goes and prays. And could y'all please stop shooting this boss? Uh, we, we sorry, you know. Um, and then they give you ones that will undermine your uh, struggle, undermine your humanity, a la uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Um, mm. who, who decided he was a leader? He's never been a black man in his life. I saw the movie. He, he endorsed the movie. He told me he learned how to be black by listening to rap and getting braids like Allen Iverson. His words, not mine. So he's supposed to tell me how to navigate this experience. Why should he tell me? Oh, because you want me to have his experience. You want me to be confused about who I am, about my purpose and how you see me. And then you want me to act out about it, which will undermine the rest of the people who feel like me. Um, Candace Owens, another one. Mm, yeah. Who, who picked her? <clears throat> when did we cast the votes? When was the ballot out? Like, I didn't see the campaign signs. I didn't see no commercials. Uh, either, either you got to be down with Colin Kaepernick or you got to be down with Candace Owens. At least that's what white folks tell me. You should listen to Candace. She makes so much sense. She's so brilliant. <laughs> And in reality, she's just palatable to you, because she, she says she says wanna, things that you she agree says with. What you want to hear? That's exactly. Yeah, that's, she doesn't stimulate conversation. Right. And, and neither um, does Kaepernick, because right. he doesn't he doesn't even show up to the conversation. So let me ask this: uh, Shout out to the preachers with their hand out. Um, <laughs> I will be I will be live on Sunday. Since you got to mm -hmm. do that. But uh, all jokes aside. I'm, I'm, you know, all jokes aside, um, how do we need to understand and perceive leadership, though? Because the fact of the matter is leadership is something that's necessary. And you mentioned how we should not necessarily even be looking at it from a divided standpoint of, well, we got my, our set of leaders over here and you got yours there. But how do we bridge that gap? Because if I've got leaders that are not working in my best interest, then in my world, that necessitates me becoming a leader because that's just how I look at things. That's me, but that's not everybody. How do we bridge that gap then? Because if, you know, if the leaders that have been chosen aren't good for me, then how do we approach leadership? Can y'all tell me who speaks for, for, for white folks in America? Can y'all tell me who speaks for Latinos in America? Can y'all tell me who speaks for Asian folks in America? Do y'all even have a handful of list of names for those people? Because it don't exist. Right. We just pe we need leadership. Why do we need leadership? Why do we need to be babysat? Why do we need to be told what to think and where to go and how to respond? I think it's us chasing a tail. Like, uh -huh. mainly because... When you look at it, like Billy, you brought up the point, somebody's working in our best interest. Well, we've been in America long enough now at this point that our interests are different. My interests aren't the same as yours and yours mm -hmm. ain't the same as Paul's. So right. how do we find one person that can speak for everybody's interests? Um, it's impossible, but we continue to have these people that are thrown out in front of us to say, okay, this is the person who's speaking on behalf of black America. Without, like Paul said, without a vote, like Ice Cube went and was supposed to have a meeting 
uh, with a contract with Black America. Uh, who, where do we get this information? Like, who do we talk to that gave us our list of demands and needs in order for that to be a viable list? Um, I'm not saying that Ice Cube did anything wrong because he got vilified for even trying, and it turned out he wasn't really that wrong. Um, no, because, he wasn't wrong. But it, but the the whole point is like black people have become so cynical that we don't trust anybody. It doesn't matter what whether it's Colin Kaepernick, whether it's uh, you know Barack Obama, whether it's, it's like we're so divided on who's speaking for us that all we do on the arguing with ghosts. And and it is a frustrating point to your point, Paul, that we don't necessarily need leadership. We need representation. And I think having a seat at the table is better than just having one person saying, uh, you know, an Al Sharpton or Benjamin Crump, where, like you said, when somebody dies, here they are. Um, And now it's deemed as a a viable cause, the George Mm -hmm. Floyd killing. George Floyd was a flawed human being that was selected by somebody to become. He wasn't a martyr because he didn't choose this death. Now, his his death represented a lot. And real quick, I know this was part of the topic, but or off the topic. But like when he died, it was on camera for everybody to see. I never watched the video. I'm one of those people that uh, if I know the ending, ain't no point in me watching it. So I already knew what happened. But at that point, there was such a huge corporate response of, hey, uh, we we care about black people. Now mm-hmm. we've been telling you know, it's been now I Red Fox was making jokes back in the seventies about police brutality and everything else. So we've been so but we were treated like we were lying this entire time until this ended up on camera and now corporate America cares. How long did they care? Mm, about a good, long si- a good about a solid yeah, a solid five to six months. Um at that point in time I was working with a company and we had black uh summits where they wanted to talk and then after about three months it became once a every couple weeks then it became Mm -hmm. once a week and then and i had uh, to be honest i had white i'm i'm a fairly like once we once we have more of these shows you'll realize i'm kind of the in-between guy like i i'm i'm really (laughs) level so i had white people reach out to me hey how can i help I, I'm sorry I didn't believe you, but I want to become a better person. I need to become a better person. And I'm, I'm down for the black cause because I didn't believe you. And, and it was a lot of white guilt that happened. Mm-hmm. And how many conversations did we, how many repeat conversations did I have? I'm going to hold up to Steph Curry. Zero. Mm. Um, nobody. And after the, um, after the trial, oh my God, you can go ahead and wash your hands of it. Now white guilt is forgiven. He went to jail. I have nothing else I have to do. And yet, black people still have the same struggle. Um, so, it it's really weird, and it's a really weird space to say yes, we need leadership. But all we needed was representation. We've always needed representation from the beginning, and we need to be in the rooms where it happened. And we thought Kamala was going to be in the room where it happened, and little did we know she didn't represent us in that room, and she's not no. representing us in that room. And I don't think she cares to represent us in that room. She's not and, one of us. Hey, that uh, I'm gonna let. So, uh, how can you be mad at her for not caring? She cares I, about. She cares about who she cares about, and that we're, we we all do. I'm I'm guilty of that too, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, but to get back on to what you were talking about, like you brought up George Floyd. Imagine having a whole Philando Castile to to hold up, right? As as your martyr. Yeah. And and, it's, and, you, and that's kind of the thing. And Paul, you pick George Floyd on I purpose. A, and and whenever I would, and obviously it's not nearly as hot and heavy right now a topic, but I remember when the whole uproar over George Floyd was going on, that is what I always brought up because honestly, Philando Castillo looks, behaved, walked, moved. His lifestyle is my life. He was. He, he literally is a registered gun owner. He's the one we should have tore the streets up over. He was the one who he did everything right. He didn't have no right. He worked in the cafeteria. He working in the community. Uh-huh. He's giving back to kids. He's taking mm-hmm. care of his, I guess it was his fiance, but this mm-hmm. is like his daughter. Like He literally, he's the one. And again, this is no shade or anything against George Floyd. Right. 
but he's the one that was the example and that takes me to the other part of this and it's funny that you know we joke about this because you know you guys if you haven't figured out yet i preach i pastor the church and the thing about it is i just a little insight one of the experiences that i deal with i have a mixed congregation so it's not like it's an all-black church mm-hmm. um but it's split you know pretty much down the middle and we have some uh representation from a lot of different uh cultures and different ethnicities and believe it or not, while I have, I can honestly say I've experienced a difficult time leading some of the white parishioners. And there have been people who left once I took over and everything. To be honest with you, some of the most difficulty that I've had in ministry has been that cynical thing you were talking about amongst black people. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're the ones who are always skeptical. Is he really who he says he is? Or is there something underhanded going on? Or what's happening with the money? Like, this is the type of thing that, and, and I bring that up because this is the type of thing that troubles me, is that it's almost like you have good examples. You have good representation. You have good leadership. You have good role models. Why don't you follow them? Why don't you... Uh, look to them why are you always waiting for somebody to give it to you when it's right Mm -hmm. there in your face Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're chasing it's almost like we're chasing this model ideal leadership we're chasing the messiah you know not to be too hyperbolic but it's like we're chasing this messiah when you have good representation and good examples out there for Mm -hmm. you to follow them i think of like and i just throw out an example I don't even care nothing about, but like Mike Tomlin, I don't know anything about his personal life. I never met the man, that kind of thing. But as a coach and as an example, he is somebody when it comes to leadership, when it comes to management style, when it comes to uh, being disciplined, accomplishment, he is the type of person that honestly, I I don't know why. I mean, yeah, you know, we as football minds, we like him, but I don't understand why he doesn't get more love why he doesn't get pointed at more as an example and, that, and i'm just throwing out a person but there's plenty of, my point is there's plenty of people out there we don't have to have a messiah right we don't have to have some designated person like you said that shows up to the funeral or has, speaks out on our behalf there's somebody for you to look up to right there's somebody for you that we don't all have to look up to the same person that's right we don't have to, again, you're a pastor, right? You, there are reasons that people come to your church, and there are reasons that people go to other churches. That's exactly right. And, and it's nothing. And I don't even than, begrudge it. Matter of fact, if it's better for them, I've told right. more people, and I've been criticized for this. I'll tell them straight exactly. up. We actually are probably not the best suited thing for you. Uh, my integrity tells you, let me recommend you go here because I'm familiar with these people. You should go there. It's going to be better for you. Mm-hmm. And so I only bring that up because I feel like especially the topic in black America, it seems to matter so much in black America. But like you said, you can't find me the designated leader of any other group because nobody's even looking for it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a call to us to really uh, and I say us collectively, mm-hmm. us to really think about the fact that we need to stop chasing this ideal this ideal this this you know fictional you know thing where it's like oh where did dr king's at well they killed him so you know people getting tired of that people getting tired you know the mega evers and the you know malcolm x is out there like no you know people have gotten smarter they've got they've changed their dynamics changed the way in which they go about leading and we need to consider that we need to change the way that we follow we need to change Mm. the way that we even frame up the conversation and what we're actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, um, I'm going to pass this over to Andre because I think it's time for us to uh, sound the alarm. All right, so it's time for the APB. Um, and as always with the A, I'm going to start off. Um, so my um, APB is out for the support of black businesses. Um, there was a rush. We just finished Juneteenth. Uh, it was 
double duty with uh, Father's Day. Um, but we had a whole bunch of support for black businesses and, oh, we need to buy black and we need to do this for black people and businesses and support your black businesses. And once Juneteenth was over, is that support still flowing through? And I'm not just talking about from black people. I'm talking about from, from white people and the other people who wanted to patronize these black causes and these black businesses at the same time. Um, so I think I'm putting out an APB for that on two fronts. One, you need to continue to support these black businesses throughout the year, not just on one day to try to make yourself feel good about not supporting the rest of the year. Um, but two, when you do support black businesses, it's the way you support them. Ask them for a discount asking for the hookup like let's stop that we need to pay whatever the call the, the yesterday's price is not today's price and whatever today's price is you need to pay it because everybody ain't trying to get over they trying to live they it, when walmart raised their prices you don't say a damn thing when food prices go up at chili's you don't say a damn thing when you going out to morton steakhouse and these other steakhouses and they tell you hey this steak is 98 dollars you say cool i'm balling i'm doing it Same but then cow. man same cow but when, uh, you know, Leroy's Fish House it raised the price of fish for a dollar, you throwing a fit and going on social media and acting like, oh, they just trying to get over and they trying to rob people. And I can't believe that we paying $10 for a fish sandwich. Well, guess what? The cost of a Big Mac uh, extra value meal was like $4 when I was in, in college. That joint is now 11 So you, you still ain't got no problem going to McDonald's to do it. Don't have a problem going to Leroy's Fish House and doing it. So... I just want everybody to continue to support black businesses, but support them in the right way. Let's stop bad-mouthing them because they had to raise the prices, because everybody had to raise the prices, because we'll get back to Joe and Kamala in a second, but that's just not, that's my APB for the day. Is let's, uh, let's go ahead and keep supporting. My APB is on common sense. <laughs> we are at a time in history where Food is short, money's short, um, people are losing jobs. I live in Portland, by the way, and if you know anything about Portland, if you just drive in downtown Portland, there are tent cities Man. under every single overpass. It is bad out here, okay? Really, the West, any big city on the West Coast, it, it ain't just Portland. It's Seattle, it's L.A., it's the Bay. It, it's all, it's bad. Homelessness is really, really bad. With that said, Today, we just overturned Roe v. Wade in a time where teachers are leaving the profession in droves and we don't have no food. We couldn't have told children we care le couldn't have cared less about them now than we've done ever in history, right? So why are we forcing people to have more children when we don't want them? Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to need common sense. I'm going to need to see some Republicans, these people who want this, these Catholics, these evangelicals. I'm going to need to see some adoptions. I'm right. going to need to see people voting yes on increasing taxes because social services are going to be necessary to all these unwanted babies. Mm. Yeah, you, yeah, you're going to have to get a little bit more of your checkup. And we're going to have to pay the teachers more to keep them in school. So I, I just can't for the life of me find the, the, the rationale in forcing women to carry children that they don't want. You're literally sending a child up for a miserable life because now you talk about social and mental health. Like, mm. you just... <laughs> and, and I know this yeah. is your APB, but I'm going to give a small plug. While we're getting these Republicans to do this adoption stuff, how about we find a way to lower the cost of adoption? Because the average cost of adoption oh, in this country is 35 grand. Just want to put that out there for anybody who says, oh, yeah, I can adopt a kid. You got to have 35 extra. You ain't got to have 35 in the pot. You got to have extra on top of you still got to get the kid and take care of the kid. So um, if we can uh, be really great to be able to uh, kick some money in for that, because we're kicking in money for everything else, mm -hmm. airlines, uh, everything else. And my whole line has always been, that these people who are overturning Roe v. Wade, they care about the baby until the baby's born. That's right. Um, yeah. And after that, it's not my problem. They don't care about the baby. They care about being able to tell you what to do. They care about control, absolutely. absolutely. And I tell people, even from a from a faith perspective, you know, it, it's really not my job to tell a woman what to do. 
unless she comes to me and she asks me, you know, <laughs> it's none of my business. But right. uh, I'm going to let you have your APB. Uh, shout out to all the, uh, by the way, shout out to all the parents out there who adopt because it really is a special mm-hmm. thing. And it really is super expensive. And by the way, that, that 35000 extra, these ain't Cabbage Patch kids. So they're not going on layaway. Mm-hmm. There is no plan for it. You got to have that money. Um, mm-hmm. Also, shout out to the Big Macs from back when Andre and I were in college, because they were still in the styro- They were still in the little foam containers. That's back when they was really good. My APB for the week, um, and this is near and dear to my heart, especially after today, is for the judicial system. And the way that the uh, court systems are handled, and I literally could go on for hours, which I won't, about all the different tentacles that come off of this. But my experience today really reinvigorated in me a conviction that we got to do better about the way that we handle court cases and the way that these things are adjudicated. Because we want people to be activated and involved. We want people to show up to court. We want people to be willing to show up for jury duty. And then we just, we're disorganized and we treat them like trash. And, you know, they show up, they take time off work, they burn up their gas at $5 a gallon and they waste all their time and then they show up for nothing. Or they show up and then it gets rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled. I had to go to court this morning and this is the fifth time I've been. I've yet to show. I'm, I'm actually the victim in the case. <laughs> and I've yet to actually speak in court. It has been pushed back, rescheduled. And then finally when I show up today, they're like, ah, we don't really need you. Wow. You have to cut that out. <laughs> but no, then, but then you finally show up and then they're like, well, yeah, we don't really need you. And so... My APB is for the court system to just really clean it up. I mean, yeah, we know that it takes time and things are slow sometimes, but the process is really inefficient. And that's all we're asking for is be organized. If you do, so, you know, the same thing you ask us to do. You ask us to show up and you want us to be on time. Because if I don't show up, then you throw it out. And then you say, I don't care. Switch! All right, well, we're going to wrap this up and just say thank you for... Uh, tuning in and we look forward to seeing you again next week on the gray matters be blessed yeah definitely check out the website graymatterspodcast.com follow us on all social media and like we said we're going to continue to put out a uh, positive vibes for Brittany Griner until she comes back so go ahead and go over to www.wrbg.org to sign the petition to bring this young lady back home uh, but until we meet again keep searching for the light Keep tuning in, like and mash, subscribe, all that good stuff. Peace.